Welcome to Cutting Through the Noise, where we do just that and we cut through the noise. Today we are here with Hayley Mears and myself uh, tuning in for our monthly catch-up to talk about a new topic today, which is past innovations and what does the future of the industry look like? Yeah, I'm excited to this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, Look, I think, you know, both of us have, you know, seen quite a bit in the industry. I mean, when did you start in the industry, Hayley? What year was that? It was 1999. Um, I didn't technically start my apprenticeship until year 2000, um, but I worked Mm -hmm. I worked in Sandy Chong's salon, um, yeah, as a, you know, tea and tidy girl on weekends and evenings. And so, yeah, it, it was actually, it was technically the 90s that I started my career. So That's pretty cool. Well, I mean, I started in 2008, so um, you've got a few years ahead of me. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. So g- going back to 2008, when you started, like what what did the landscape look like then? Because I, like, although I remember it, I think it would be really different if you started your career at that point. Like what was on the ground at, at that, that time? Oh, it was actually quite an interesting time. So you started the brand in 2008 in September. And then in 2009, we hit the, um, the global recession. Like, yeah. So uh, we just started with several salons and then I think it would have been, I think we we lost about 30 salons that went bankrupt during that time, Yeah, actually. So we just started, we'd launched all of these new salons and then quite a lot of people went out of business. So it was pretty uh, intense time, but it was probably what was great for us because, you know, most businesses, especially new businesses, well, I I do kind of wonder if we are on the cusp of seeing something kind of like that again. And I don't want to talk about it in a negative way because I don't want it to be all doom and gloom, but I definitely feel as though economically I don't recall a time like this ever in my life. I obviously remember the recession um, of 2008 to 2009, but the salon I was working in at the time, I mean, we are probably affected by pricing and distribution, but the salon was still really busy. Um, whereas now I find that the landscapes are totally different where clients are pushing back, they're stretching out appointments, they're they're kind of cutting corners, doing bits of their hair themselves at home. Whereas that wasn't what I saw then. That's not to say it wasn't happening. I'm sure it was. Um, but it is a really kind of unusual time. Um, and also I was talking to my friend um Mia DeVries from The Secret Fox and we, you know, we both made the observation. It's like, this is what I'm seeing. She's like, yeah, I'm seeing something really similar too. But it's not something I feel like we're discussing because if people aren't doing that great in business and I can put my hand up and say, I'm probably one of those people right now that's definitely seen a decline. You know, it's not something you really want to shout about. You don't want to share that information, you know, in every hairdressing forum that you're chatting in. But I do think it's it's happening. It's just not being discussed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it does, um, to me, it smells like very similar time to that period, really. Um, you know, everything that's happening, you know, conversations that I'm having with people, the business is slowing down, um, people are not spending as much, um, you know, they're trying to 
yeah, they're trying to save. I mean, even just, you know, being based in Mallorca like last year, and I know it was post-COVID, it was so busy here. It was crazy. But this year it's been really quite quiet. So, you know, in comparison to what you would imagine it to be, um, and I think, um, you know, they were saying that it would be the busiest summer here ever, um, but I don't think that's that's happened. So, you know, I think it is happening everywhere. Yeah, definitely. I th- Yeah. And it, it is it is really sad because a lot of I went I was in London like two years ago and I have to say I I noticed it in a really big way where I'd, I've spent so much time in London in the past and I lived there for a couple of years so as I would get on a bus or I'd go through the streets all of these signature businesses that were always there I mean like the the ones like Sassoon's and Tony and Guy and the one incredibly um, memorable flagship salons. And I was like, shit, they're gone. Like, where did they go? And even um, really big franchises, which were a lot stronger in the UK market than they were in Australia, have really kind of shrunk down. So I noticed that going back like two years ago. So it'd be very interesting to see what that whole London, UK landscape looks like. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the new ones are coming out. You know, there's a, like maybe not so much chains. I think the, the chain salon group is struggling the most. Yeah. Uh, I think more boutiques, smaller salons or individual, you know, freelancers, they're the ones that are kind of rising up and then growing again. Yeah. So it's kind of this circle that they're, you know, the bigger chains are going, then maybe they're losing a few staff. They're starting up early, you know, on their own and then they're growing their business and then they're booming, you know, so it's this circle effect. Um, I think um, if you look at countries that have groups, I mean, really the only countries that I know that have groups are, you know, England, like the UK, America, Norway has a lot of group salons. A lot of the other European countries don't. They have this kind of what we already have, what, what's coming now in Australia um, is, you know, more individual operators or smaller salons. So it's interesting. And I guess maybe that's where if they're having a more economic, like difficult time, that's where the salon industry goes yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, you know, it's um it's interesting to look at it when you look at culturally everything, all the different countries that you, you see and, and how it's a little bit different, but probably where they're having a, a tougher economic time, they're just smaller businesses. Yeah. I also feel like there's certain markers across, say, the, the last 20 years that have been kind of instrumental into, I guess, building the culture of business and what's, what's happened. And that's all been product-based. So if I think back to like probably maybe 2001-ish when GHD first launched, like they really revolutionized our industry for so many reasons. Like styling became incredibly different like the way we cut hair changed because we now had a product where we could cut hair dry properly that we'd never been able to do before so I think GHD's um, landing in the market really kind of built um, and yeah a new culture within the industry and there's other products that have come along and done the same and I think you and I were talking about this off air so what what are your thoughts on that yeah well I mean if you look at the history there was you know the GHD and I think when it was already there when we'd launched you know very well established obviously by the time we had launched um but they were a really huge household name you know really um I think it would have been the first expo that we did or maybe the one before us they did that black box I don't know if you ever remember that and people were invited in um 
to see the new GHD, which, you know, was probably the first time that had ever been done. Yeah. And then I guess a few years later would have been Moroccan oil, right? Yeah. And, you know, they came in with an oil and then, you know, look at them now, crazy. Uh, And then it was quite a few years before anything else happened that I can remember. I mean, if anyone's listening and they can remember anything else, please let us know. Um, but then there would have been Olaplex and now K18. Yeah, yeah. I remember Olaplex and it definitely felt like that was a marker in time. And again, um, there was a particular hair expo where I just noticed that that's what everyone was kind of there for. And it it was the talk of pretty much everyone that was there. Everyone wanted to know about it. Um, and they all, it also came with this like massive celebrity following, like not just celebrities as in the clients, but all of the hairdressers that were, you know, repping the brand were celebrities in their own right. We had not seen that in our industry before. I mean, we knew of, um, you know, hairdressers like Sassoon and the Moscolo brothers, but these were, this was different entirely. This wasn't about a vintage person with a massive career legacy. It was just like someone who kind of burst onto the scene, like a guy Tang or Candy Shaw. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and then you've got the guy Tangs, right? the world yeah. that have you know um come in and sort of revolutionized their their side of it too um but I think you know ca- you know coming back to you know these times this is sort of the times where innovations like this sort of are born yeah you um, know and I think especially with COVID you saw a lot of things happen during COVID not just in our industry in other industries you know people were created all sorts of things you know whether it be different types of music or you know there's this whole I I don't know if you've seen but you know being based over here you can see like there's this real like visual show um kind of DJ sets that are happening now which are really you know um crazy um you know visually uh incredible you know so I think a lot of these things were born through through that through COVID and then What's happening now, I suppose, you know, there's this circle of life where businesses come in and they come out or or whatever, and there's there's changes. And, you know, I think um, when you look at historically the cycle of business, it does change and form and you have to kind of recreate yourself, I would say, every 10 years. Mm, I, I, you know? I, well, yeah, I, I do agree with every business needs to um, kind of shed its skin every 10 years and, and have a bit of a rebirth. But I remember um, when I was working in a salon, there was always this kind of, um, it's like an unspoken, unspoken, I don't know how to describe it, actually. We always thought that you had five years, like a salon was like the hottest place to go for five years. And then it was someone else's turn. So you had to really maximize, like when you were in the media, um, when you were in the press. And I feel really fortunate that where I was working at that time, it was it was that salon. It was like the hottest place in Sydney. It was so, so fucking cool. Um, and it, it was really, it was dynamic and it was incredible. And then it was someone else's turn to have a go at being that dynamic, incredible salon. And now as we, I left that that salon 13 years ago, and now I look at it and I'm like, now it's all about, as you were saying, it's like the individual stylist, the salon suite model. And and that's what's shit hot right now. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the individual is getting the following now more so than the salon. Because even if you look at salons, like if you look at, um, yeah, salons are, are probably best not to mention the names actually, but 
you know, there are salons in our industry that have celebrity salon, you know, hairdressers almost within their group of hairdressers and people are following that person. I mean, Salon Lane's a good example as yeah. well. You know, they've got their individuals um, that, you know, have their own following and they're bringing them into that central space. Whereas before it was the other way around, you weren't encouraged to build your profile. You were encouraged to build the salon's profile. And I think yeah. look, looking at this current landscape and I'm like, well, we're, we're on the on the tip of something big, but what is it and what, how are we changing? And I definitely think, and you and I have discussed this before, I can't stress enough the importance of understanding AI and how it will work in your business, just understanding what it does, but more, more importantly, what it has the potential to do because we're not seeing it anywhere even close to its full potential. And I think we really need to buckle up and prepare for what our lives are going to look like in the next 18 months to two years with AI, not just as a part of our business, but like absolutely everything that we do is going to be changed by AI. And I actually Absolutely. think you would see it more than us being in Europe. The innovation of AI would be far, far further ahead than what we've got here. Maybe not in your day-to-day life, but definitely the technology and, and obviously people that are you know innovating here would be um, probably advanced to it a little bit more. But I would say Europe is a bit old school. So it's probably not as welcoming to this side as as we are in Australia. They're probably pushed back a little bit yeah. on it, yeah. you know. Um, but I don't think, um, yeah, I think there's going to be, like we have, we've been talking about it for a long time, what roles will be replaced. I don't think the skill of actually cu- cutting hair will be, but there'll be other elements of the process that they do, that we do in salon that will change, that will become faster you know, maybe colour consultation will be removed because it will be done digitally, um, you know, whether it be customer service, um, you know, booking in client appointments, of course, um, really anything but the actual skill itself I think will be replaced. Yeah. I do see front of house being affected quite a bit um, because I Absolutely. don't think you necessarily need a person to navigate the appointment process anymore. And although it can be... Um, you know, one of those sticky points where you've got to be really careful how you book colour appointments um, because anyone that's ever worked on the floor knows what a disaster's like when it, they're not booked correctly. Um, like you were saying, there's, there's going to be consult, digital consultation tools that actually nut out absolutely everything. Like the Hair App, um, we had Richard Kavanagh on to talk about that. And, I mean, that's just miles ahead. It's, it's so advanced. Um, but there's also like lots of other things like AI will be able to look at your appointment and actually shuffle shuffle your day and, you know, move different bits and pieces around in, in ways that you can't see and, you know, move that toner to this time. You're actually going to cut first here rather than cut them after the colour because it's actually freeing up an, an additional 45 minutes in your column. Like it's going to think for us, which. Yeah, absolutely. And also even just um, picking the colours. You know, like picking the colours and doing the mix, you know, doing um, the formulas. It will do everything. I mean, I look at what we do in the world of social media and how much AI is absolutely going to take over so much of our business. But it doesn't worry me like, oh, my God, we're going to be out of a job because you still need to think and feel and be tactile with a brand and you still need a person that's creatively directing all of the bits of information that are coming in and kind of 
you know, ruling out what's not going to work. But by the same token, I don't think I'll have the same kind of team. Like we've got a team of seven at the moment. Like in 10 years' time, will we need seven people to be able to do the work that we've got? Probably not. Like it can probably, a lot of it will be machine learning and how we. I would say no. And and a lot of it is going to be read from data. Yeah. You know, it'll be data analysis and and forecasting, you know, whether or not a brand is going to be successful or not, it will be able to tell you. And we, you can get that information now. Yeah. You know, so it is very, it's going to become a very data-led world. And it's all on, you know, they're, they're tracking all of our usage, what we're doing, how we're, how we're doing it. So, you know, it's, it's going to say, right, this demographic is searching for products like this. And this is, but it's also, t- it's also guiding us in a direction too. Yeah. So that can also be a bit controlled too. Like what are we actually creating? Is it, is it data led that they're, um, that they're creating the data around what we want or are they creating what we want for us? It's kind of, it's such a fine line, right? Well, I think it is because if you look at, if I look at what I'm following and what I'm doing and then I look at what my boyfriend's following and what he's doing on there, it's very different but targeted to guide him in a direction to buy more product that he wants, same versus with me. But it's is it the product that we want or is it the product that we've been shown that we want? Yeah, well, well, that's that's very it, like the whole influence of things, and I think I probably I think I might have even mentioned this on the podcast before. Like my daughter wanting this Frank Green water bottle at nine years old because it's just been marketed at these really young kids, and yeah, and they all have, and she doesn't have social media, but she does watch YouTube, and that is enough to have it, you know, targeted ads coming through based on what she watches on YouTube. Well, I mean, I think the next generation won't watch TV. No, definitely. Like, I mean. I don't watch TV. At all. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't watch TV and I don't and I don't think that they can target advertising through that channel anymore. I mean, if they are a totally different demographic or it's a, I don't even know who's, who is watching TV other than Netflix and there's oh. no ads there, right? It's, I think it's only the boomers that are watching TV. Yeah. I mean, I, I and if I'm watching TV, I'm also looking at my phone at the same time. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, you know, if you think about that as well, it's, it's you know, it's um, it, it used to sit all sit on the couch and watch the same show together and maybe two out of the four people didn't really like that show but they were just watching it because everyone else wanted to watch it, right? Whereas now you get to watch whatever you want when you want. So why would you watch something with other people? That's right. And it, you know? look, my husband and I are absolutely guilty of that. We rarely watch shows together anymore. Exactly. Because if you want to watch what you want to watch, it, that's the thing. It is becoming more of a selfish culture as well. Like you can have everything at your fingertips. You can watch what you want. You can buy what you want at whatever time and get it delivered at most times quickly, you know, Um Whereas before you had to have patience and you had to wait for things. I mean, however, in the Spanish culture here, you do have to wait for a lot of things. Things don't come that quickly. So that you do have to slow down. Thing though. Like if, you, if you go into a restaurant and like, you know, it takes as long as it takes for the meal to come. Yes. Or, you know, if, if the bill's coming, they'll bring it when they're ready, you know. Yeah. So whereas, you know, if, if you're in Australia and that happened, people will be like losing it. <laughs> totally. Whereas in Spain, they're like, yeah, whatever. doesn't matter. <laughs> I also think what we, another element of what we've probably underestimated with um, the implementation of AI is how much that's going to change hairdressing education and how much that can really fast track the way people learn that skill set. 
Um, probably virtually. Like I can I can see there is no reason why, and whether this is being researched or not at the moment. Like if I was doing like a comprehensive color exam, um, I could actually use all of the tools online to say this is this is the the client that I've got. This is what I would use, and I could enter in all of the details, and I would I would place this particular color here with this formula, and that that would be like a color exam. But it could also be. Um, you know, different ways where the computer hits me back and says like, no, that's the wrong formula, try again. Like that education and self-learning, which is kind of similar to like what I did at uni actually, because like through online universities, which was really fantastic. There's no reason why we can't have that kind of remote learning, even though we are a hands-on trade. A lot of it can be taken online. uh, Absolutely. And I think as well, there'll be, you know, um, educators probably in the very near future won't travel you know they'll be virtually um positioned in a room you know whereas you know I mean I I did that um event in that um hair festival I was on tv and they wheeled me up on stage on a tv I mean that's you know obviously it will change and evolve um to a to a totally different level but um with holograms and all this sort of stuff but you know, that people will not be travelling for education, I don't think, in the near future. I just feel like, yeah. like I'm getting lazy with travel completely. I, like I might live 25 minutes away from a friend and I'm like, oh, do I, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big drive for me to go, like, catch up. And it's not. It's just that we've become so freaking lazy. Yeah, well, I think it's just that also there's, we're packing a lot more um, into our days. So it's like how do I maximise my time? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think we've you know? talked about it before. And like, I will max it like every single time I jump in the car, it is dead time unless I'm listening to a podcast, recording an audio message for my team. You know, I've, I've got to utilize that time because if I don't, I'm never getting everything done that needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. And actually yeah. speaking of like that, being in the car and recording audio messages, I was eavesdropping on a conversation this guy was having in the cafe the other day. And he was talking about an AI app that he uses called MEM. And because I was eavesdropping, I couldn't really hear it. So I thought he said MEN, M-E-N, but it's M-E-M and dot AI. And essentially what it does is it just learns about your entire life. So you might, you know, log it into all of your different apps and your computer and it, it learns and understands a whole heap about you. So it can tell you when you're due for groceries and, but it also say, you know, it might re- listen to your conversations that you have and be like, remember that you haven't responded to that person yet. And you said you are going to do it because it's looking at your messages. It's looking at your emails and it knows your phone calls. So super yeah. voyeuristic, like you've got to be down for it. And a lot of people aren't. And I don't know how you feel about it. Like there's always been those discussions about, privacy and your phone's listening to you and I've never personally had much of an issue with it because it's like I don't have anything to hide like I'm not there's nothing nefarious going on in my life that you know I I feel like my privacy is being invaded if you know the data from my phone leaks to someone like it's it's all very boring but I can understand why some people um would would have an issue with it yeah I mean I prefer it because then it's if it is listening to me then it's it's showing me what I want to see (laughs) you know is that lazy (laughs) oh it's practical it's really yeah then I don't have to search for things it's it comes up on my Instagram feed 
I love the Instagram algorithm and the way that it works. And like, especially, I don't know if you do this, but like I save a lot of posts in Instagram and I have little folders. Um, So for example, yeah. So if I save it, if like, okay, going to Bali um, for a little bit of time at the end of the year. So every time something comes up in my feed about a new restaurant that's launched, I save it. And then it goes into my saved Bali folder and I know that when the time comes, I'll go back to that folder. Might be inspirational quotes. I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm going to use that for something. Um, you know, it, you actually do your collections. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. And also, I do that when I, I come across a really good reel and I love the audio. I save the audio file so that, like, I can come back to it later and listen to that again and repurpose it for some for a track that I want to use it for who listening has been just screenshotting things that's me and then I can never find it (laughs) I have so many well I think you just changed my life Hayley thank you (laughs) oh my gosh anyway sometimes you just do things and you don't think about why that was one of those moments yeah oh good okay well I'm going to start saving things in areas where they should be saved thank you (laughs) and you know like you and I chat all the time using voice memos which just I mean obviously we're in different time zones but like all of my friends that are in the same time zone, that's that's how I communicate with them I agree and I find some of my friends won't even call me like I try to call them and they won't respond to me so unless by voice message and I'm like well can someone call me at some point (laughs) no they just like to do voice memos but I understand because then you get to do it you don't, you know, when you do, you do a phone call, you do actually have to allocate time for it, for you that do. call. And I think now more than ever, when you do call someone, people expect it to be focused time. Whereas before you would just call people and it would just be whatever, you know, whereas now it's like, it's got to be focused time. That's why if you've, if you've got doing a voice note, you're doing it because you don't have the time to dedicate to a full conversation, but you can tell them that information quickly. Yeah. I, I find it really it would be really good is if they turn voice not voice notes though into text so that sometimes if you can't listen to them you could it would send it to you in a text as well would be good. I'm as I'm an option. for a function and I know that Siri does it but that for whatever reason doesn't work in my car. Um, I can't say because if you use Siri it can send it in a message whereas I actually like big long audio notes where I can ramble for 10 minutes Um, and it could I'm basically having a staff meeting right and I'll be like okay guys so this is what we're doing and I go through absolutely everything as I'm driving along and so yeah Siri's not going to cut it but I want something in my car where I can just give a voice command and it opens up to a 10 minute audio file so the the app that I use it's just part of like the Apple um, what is it called? Um, yeah, it just says voice memos. So I just want an audio command to open voice memos or WhatsApp because that's kind of the the tool of choice. Yeah, I think they're all coming, these sorts of things. Have, have you um, played around with the Signal app at all? No. So Signal is, um, it, it works just like WhatsApp, but you set timers on how long it's going to hold the content for. So it's like it is a burner account. So um, everything is completely discreet. It's really good for private conversations. So um, a lot of corporate companies will use it if they're having discussions and, you know, when things really shouldn't be emailed or put into writing or it might be a voice memo. But as soon as 
um, that voice memo is listened to. It's like, um, it's that guy, Maxwell Smart from, <laughs> from that show where he just burns. It's done and it cannot be rediscovered. So for, for wow. example, um, if something is subpoenaed by a court and you've deleted your WhatsApp, that's still discoverable and it can be subpoenaed yes. and it can be pulled back. Whereas Signal is not it's 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 not like that at all. So wow. it's, it's a really amazing tool for you know discrete conversations. Wow, that's very cool. An actual um, I do have the app on my phone, but I've never used it. I've realized so someone's obviously told me about it before, and yeah. I've downloaded it, and that's as far as we. Yeah, I haven't. Used it. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so I think you know, I mean, back to you know all of these sorts of things there. It's new innovations. It's new ways that we're we're working in business, and I definitely think that um, you know if you're in business, you've got to be like thinking where is it going to be. Yeah. And it's also a very difficult time for some people because I, I would I would say you know especially with even some of these bigger brands, for them to shift and change into this new way would be mammoth. Absolutely. Like I think for us to restructure with seven people, that's as easy as it's going to get. But, you know, mm. corporate companies with like masses of different departments and HR, it's, it's yeah, pulling apart a business to rebuild it, it's like a three-year process. And we don't have three years to adjust to our no. current market. Like it, we need to be fluid mm. as of now. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, I was talking to a, a lady, she's got a wholesale business, like a wholesale hair business in, um, in Holland. And she is doing a lot of her, um, like, you know, she, she's still doing everything like very old school. She's still receiving faxes. I was like, yeah. No one can see our faces right now, but yeah, a fax, like a facsimile, my God. Yes, I mean, yeah, I th- but I'm sure there's still businesses, like I would say still to this day that are receiving that, that sort of information yeah. in that way. I'd be really interested. But it's just that, it's that difficult, it's that transition, right? And And the thing is, you know, we went from, you know, faxes and emails and then emails are now going into, you know, other things like Asana and, um, you know, other other programs. And then it's, and then lots of people are using WhatsApp for business and then that's evolving. And then, you know, maybe signals and next part. And then you might have, you know, another complete innovation again. And it's like how from, if you're like still at fax level, how do you innovate through all of these channels to get to where you need to be? It's, yeah. um, it's probably a business in itself helping people get from that position to the next, right? Well, I'm sure there is already. Sort of. We we actually came up with this package um, in our business called Digital Tasker. So it was like if you've got a problem in your business that you could go to Airtasker for, just come to us because we're, we're, we'll be the digital tasker. So we'll just like solve the, the digital problem. Yes. Yeah, that's totally. Because sure that yeah. Sorry, say that again. Well, everything we do with business is pretty much done remotely. I mean, how many years ago was it that all of us needed to be, if we're in the same company, you know, at the same place of employment, in the same office, operating on the same hours? I mean, thankfully, I've never had to adhere to that business model. Like we've always been flexible, remote working business. And going back 13 years ago, people would freak out. Like, what do you mean? 
your staff are overseas. That's crazy. How could they possibly know what's going on? But they always did. And it was. Yeah. 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 I mean, times have changed. But I think the per- I think the employee of that time probably wouldn't have worked in the same way as the employee of today. Yeah. Because the employee today actually values the fact that they get to work remotely and have freedom. And so they do the work. Yeah. Whereas the employee before would be like, I'm at home, I'm taking advantage of this situation. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think it's a different mindset today. Yeah, look, I agree. And there's so many businesses that work off that hybrid model. And, you know, you look at the team, they're saving two hours of their day, not being in the car, not being on a bus, traveling, having the luxury of working from home. Like no one wants to fuck that up. (laughs) No, but I think, you know what, I think, you know, COVID obviously brought a lot of that, you know, where people could work from home, but there are a lot of companies that are bringing back the compulsory element of coming into work, into the workplace. I'm not sure how I agree with that. I'm not sure. It's um, it's an interesting view. It's not for me. I and the argument that I'm hearing from that that corporate sector is it's about culture and like bringing in yeah. you know, relationships. Um, and I think there needs to be an element of that. But I think all of that can actually be done in other ways. Like you know, when you when you're getting together as a team, if you're all working remotely, it doesn't need to be to actually do work. It can be to you know, upskill and, you know, create a better working environment doesn't actually have to be because you're just behind your computer all day, not really conversing anyway. Mm. Well, and you're not really present. Um, You know, I find when, you know, if you're just sitting next to people working all day, you're not really having present conversations. Whereas if you allocate the time to be present, to do team building, to do all of these, um, you know, uh, other activities, then you will be you'll be learning more about that person. You'll be actually moving and shifting more than what you would be just sitting next to them at a desk every day. Yeah. And a lot of time wasting conversations happen in that time too. You know, there's a, I find that when you're working remotely from people, when you have a conversation, you come and you have a conversation about the topic that you want to talk about and you resolve it. Yeah. Whereas if you uh, sitting next to that person every day, you might bounce ideas. Yes, it's great for maybe for brainstorming, but you can allocate time for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it would be really good just to put put the call out to anyone that's listening and and I'd love to hear more of their ideas of what they're seeing, like what is everyone's forecast? We've kind of covered all of the big changes that, you know, edited the dynamic of the industry. We're suggesting that AI is really going to be this enormous disruptor, like nothing we've ever seen before. But is there something we've missed? Like is, has someone else got something to add? Because I'd love to hear you. Yeah, absolutely. I think there'd be so many, you know, it's um, there'd be so many different levels and aspects to this. So we'd love to hear from you. Sounds good. Great. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Cutting Through the Noise. I hope, hopefully we are doing what we say and cutting through some of the noise, but we always love to hear from our listeners. So please make sure that you are um, letting us know what you want to hear about. If you do want to come on the podcast, please send us a DM. We'd love to have you. Uh, there is no topic that we won't cover because, as we said, we are cutting through the noise. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Hayley, again for your time thank today. You. And we'll um, tune, um, tune in soon. Thank you.